Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we explore the latest in blockchain technology and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna. And me, Frederick. In this episode, we talk about what it's like to set up an Ethereum full node and the questions that come along with that. Hey guys. Hey. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. We're in a special location. So if this uh, podcast sounds different, it's because we are all on different mics and in the same room recording with like semi-professional gear, which is exciting. It's also pretty cool because we're at a space called Full Node. And today we're actually going to be talking about setting up a node and what that means. Like I'm going to be asking... I'm going to be asking questions from the perspective of someone really just entering into this space and trying this out for the new for the first time. And so we're going to start from relatively basic questions and then hopefully dig in a little deeper. Today we're here with uh, Thibaut, who's uh, Parody's sort of head of support and like fielding GitHub, Gitter, um, RRI channels and helping people out, setting stuff up and answering their questions. Thanks for having me. Maybe you can start talking a little bit about yourself and like what's your background and how did you get into the blockchain space? Sure. So um, basically, I got into tech um, in, into blockchain very uh, recently, like one year ago, uh, purely out of interest. Uh, of course, like everybody, I heard about Bitcoin, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but um, basically, I, I was a product manager. I used to study uh, electrical engineering and um even though I'm not a dev, uh, like actively developing, I would say that I'm, I'm uh, like, uh, um, an average, uh, good technical knowledge. And, um, basically, uh, I've been interested in Ethereum particularly and, and the Ethereum blockchain because of everything we can do with it, basically. And that's what we're going to talk about today, I guess. So yeah, I joined Parity, uh, um, almost two months ago now. And, uh, as Fred said, uh, I'm basically, taking care of any support uh, question. Uh, and yeah, uh, I guess we're going to talk about it. Today. Well, totally. Frederick, do you remember the first time you installed a parody node? I do. Uh, I remember reading on the Rust subreddit that um, parody was writing their software in Rust and that they now had reached some version where it was possible to compile and run the thing and sync. Uh, so I downloaded it, I built it from scratch, and I started it up, and it synced, and it was really fast. I had run Geth before, so I was like, holy shit, this is syncing so much faster. And this is when there was a larger like, difference between Geth and Parity than it is now. It was my first reaction, but you couldn't really do all that much with the node at that point. Like, I'm not even sure if there was a UI at that point. Yeah, no, it, it, it was, um, for me, I came into it from the point of view of like building and running a Rust program, not necessarily a blockchain node. So I had a very different introduction to it, probably. The first time I tried it, um, it was when I first joined Parity and Yuto was like, hey, you know, you should get this started. And I was like, okay, so I took my little MacBook Air and I <laughs> started up at the Parity client. I downloaded the Parity client, it started to sync. And then my computer just started to freak out because I totally didn't have enough space. And I was like, it was, I think it was like my first week working in the office. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? And then I realized like, wait a second, I'm in the office 
with the people who built this thing that's ruining my computer so I could find out what the problem was and basically I, I didn't have enough room to, to deal with it and this is not the right, necessarily the right setup. Well, that's that's part of the problem is like it, it should be. It, you should be able to run a node on any software. Like that's part of the ideal, part of the philosophy of the blockchain is being able to run it anywhere. Obviously, it's not really possible anymore, but uh, we'll hopefully fix that in well, the future. I also, and, I, and more recently, I actually saw the updates and, and I think it is a much cleaner, much cooler experience nowadays than it was before. What about you? When did you first... Um, that's, that's interesting. I mean, uh, the first, the first client I ran was, uh, was Get also. And, uh, I, I wasn't, uh, prepared, just like you, I wasn't prepared that my, um, computer would get just full and that will start, uh, uh, basically downloading the whole blockchain because maybe either it's me because I didn't read enough or it's just, it wasn't explained and actually wrote an article very quickly after that. And the article uh, t- title is is why doesn't your uh, grandma use uh, Bitcoin? Basically, it's because of this. Like, you you don't expect things sometimes to to happen, and um, people don't know what's a wallet, what's a hot wallet, what's a cold storage when they start, at least. Mm. And uh, that's basically our job to also explain and and make it um, uh, accessible to anybody and to explain what we're doing. Actually, mm. can you guys elaborate on what the parity client? is today because it's bigger than just um, a play like it's it's a it's a larger it's a larger piece of yeah i'd I'd say it's bigger than ethereum uh, as well like it's more than just ethereum so we try to say the parody uh blockchain clients not necessarily the parody ethereum clients because it is actually a, a client for more than ethereum so I mean, there's the obvious things if you can run Ethereum Classic, you can run testnets, whatever. But the, it's actually supporting a lot of other chains, uh, new chains, forks, uh, a lot of like private or consortium chains. Um, and we also have like parity Bitcoin and everything. But I mean, so so it is a bit of a weird but valid question of like what is parity because it is a lot of things. It's a blockchain client. It's a UI. It's, um, you know... We have features within Parity, like the WebAssembly VM and the secret store and things that are not necessarily mainnet relevant, but um, still within the Parity name. So I think for someone going into this space fresh now, there's so much stuff. It's probably kind of hard to understand all of it. How would so say somebody wants to start to understand it? um, What should they do first? What is the first thing that someone should do? All right. The first uh, thing I would do is is first ask the question, what do you want to do? So basically, I, I think there are two types of people who would like to interact with blockchain. There's first um, uh, people like like my grandmother. Uh, basically, she wants to, um, she hears about Bitcoin, about Ethereum. She, she read a bit about it and she wants to basically own some and uh, to, to trade, to, to send some Ethereum to me because I'm uh she she doesn't want to give me uh, uh some some euros for for christmas but she wants to send me ether for instance and uh there's the second person which is a dapp developer or a developer who wants to build something on the blockchain or use the bo- blockchain heavily and this person has uh of course a much higher level of understanding of what the blockchain is and i think um that's what parity and get right now are building basically different um 
different products based on the same, let's say, node, but uh, they are addressing two different types of persons and, and needs. And that's what we call full node or light node, basically. How does one go about getting this on there? How do, how do you do it? How do you start? GitHub website? So um, the average person would go on to some website explaining what's the blockchain, etc. And this website would, I think, link to Parity website. So mm. literally parity.io or, uh, or uh, I get get.io. I'm not sure about the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure com? about the, the URL. <laughs> and uh, from there, you can definitely download uh, the and install like the .exe, .dmg, .deb, whatever is your ar architecture. Yeah, so I, I'd, I'd mirror that. I, I don't think there's a lot of people, lot, at least not beginners, that actually go directly to parity.io. Like I think... And this is obviously like pure speculation, really. But I think people get in, like you Google Ethereum or like install Ethereum or something. You get probably to ethereum.org and you kind of get the gist of what Ethereum is from there. And um, on that page, it lists like here are some clients. This, these are some UIs or some wallets and you can use my crypto and you can use other things. And I think, I think actually to a large degree nowadays, people will go first to something like MyCrypto where it's a simple thing. You can just create an account. Mm -hmm. You don't have to set up a node at all. But once you get into it a little bit, like it is my hope that people reflect over their security model and how they manage their keys and things. And at that point, you should kind of want to run your own node, whether it's a full or a light node. And, um, and from there, like start Googling, okay, like which one is easiest to run or whatever. Mm. Do most people, do you know if most people are actually running, do they have both? Like most of the people using the Parity uh, client also might have the Geth client or some other clients? I don't think so. I think they, they stick with one. Yeah. I know that service providers and like exchanges and Etherscan and MyCrypto, all of those guys run both Geth mm -hmm. and Parity behind the scenes. But your average user would not be expected to run both. I mean, especially without a proper light client's infrastructure in place uh, running both would mean taking up you know 170 oh. gigs or whatever it is on your drive so i was actually wondering if either of you have had experience setting up a non-ethereum node uh, lately i did install um it was uh, for the sia uh, uh, client basically so um you do have to um, download a client and you do have to sync and it was actually very interesting because it was a very smooth uh, experience. And uh, even though Ethereum is so much more complicated, you can do some, so much more things. And it's also a lot, uh, I wouldn't say mature, but it's a lot older. So uh, a lot more things that uh, have been built on top on it, of it. But I think that's always very, very interesting to to install other um, other clients to, to see what's out there and, mm -hmm. and, and learn from it. Yeah, I agree. I, I've run clients for most major projects that have something that is downloadable and runnable. And um, yeah, the experience really varies. I'd say most of it is similar. Like you download a thing, it syncs for a while. The amount of time varies depending on how old the network is. And uh, yeah, it's, it's mostly similar. I'd say the ones that are really different are... Um, the ones that have like some completely other type of architecture, like 
if you download iota they don't really have a full node you can kind of set one up but either they don't have pairing so you have to then go and onto their slack channel and like convince other people to add you as a pair and you can add them and it's a very like strange process to set that up and yeah and if you then like just want to set it up and get using with it then then um it's actually like a light node kind of thing but i'd say roughly like the experience is pretty much the same across the board what's the breakdown of people using the parity client do you have any sense of like people who are using it just to have like their key storage to have their wallet there are there people who are using it to mine like what's do you have any sense of like how it's mostly being used not really <laughs> it's not something that we we don't monitor users. We don't report back. Uh, there's no phoning home from the clients. Uh, we don't have anything built into monitor usage at all. Uh, anecdotally, we know a lot of miners are running parity. Uh, block import times are faster, and that's what miners care about. Um, I know a lot of, of them are running Geth as well, and some are running both. But I think it's the whole gamut. I think it's everything. Everyone is using it for all sorts of different reasons. So when you first when you first sort of set this up, um, it's doing something called a warp restore, warp sync. Yeah, warp sync. Yeah. So what what is what's happening when that happens when you start it up? So um, basically, uh, warp sync is has been introduced uh, quite recently. It um, so what what happens is that when you run a full node, uh, you need to somehow um, download the whole blockchain. But uh, first, to be able to to do something with the full node, you have to get it in sync, which means you have to be uh, to download and to uh, to have the latest state of the blockchain of the latest blocks. So to know what account has how many uh, ether, etc., before you can actually start sending them around. And the WAP sync um, tries basically to download this latest state and uh, so that you can get up to speed as quickly as possible. And in the background after that, once you did the WAP sync and you sync the, say, latest blocks, um, what Parity or any client would do is, is start downloading the uh, blocks that we basically, uh, how do we say, uh, jumped over or skipped before mm-hmm. and, and start the validation so that in the end, once you let it run a couple of hours or days, you will have uh, validated and, and checked the whole chain. But the warp sync allows you to get up to speed quicker. Cool. So it's like a new, it's a new technique and actually just Definitely. like yeah. I mean, the chain. Depending on what your definition of new is, it's oh. been around for a couple of years. Oh. <laughs> but <laughs> Not new. <laughs> uh, it, it, I mean, it's, it's new in, in a lot of respects. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting piece of technology because... As you say, like it lets you skip a bunch of blocks, essentially downloads a all of the blocks in one chunk. Imagine just like torrenting a large file of the the blockchain. So it's it's actually a really fast way to download everything. But the problem, what so syncing is like a thing we could we could do a whole episode on mm-hmm. what it means to sync a blockchain because <laughs> there's a lot involved. But um, part of it is you should like to be guaranteed full security. You need to download all the blocks and run and validate all the transactions in all the blocks. It is running and validating all of these transactions that take a lot of time. It's not necessarily downloading. So you can download everything in one chunk, but then you, it takes a lot of time to like validate and, and everything. 
Um, and yeah, so we, we download the entire state, which is like the snapshot of, you know, what is the result of all the storage and contracts, et cetera. But then uh, it actually downloads the full blocks and runs all these transactions and validates everything post-fact. When you open up the client again, sort of after having it not be there, it's only syncing the latest. The rest is fine, correct? It depends how long you've been. You've <laughs> well, been the away. latest, I yeah. guess, since the last time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it should be quite quick. Should. Uh, yeah, it depends on how long you've had it uh, offline uh, because there's a lot of state, there's a lot of stuff to sync. I mean, syncing up a couple of days of downtime is not going to take all that long. But if you've been uh, offline for <laughs> offline for like a month, then it's problematic. It's longer. Um, there's something about so there's these peers. This, by the way, is awesome because these are these have been questions that I've or some of them I know the answer to, some of them I don't. But it's actually really cool to get a chance to ask this. What are the peers? What are they? Is it just other? What are they? Because it's like it's not a very large number. It actually could be a very large number. It probably is a very large number. And but yet, the peers you're connected to is maybe not uh-huh. a very large so number. So that that's because I just saw a relatively small number and yeah. peers yeah. and I was connected to a few of them and I was like that seems weirdly low given what I know about this network unless it meant something else so maybe you can explain what what are the peers when when that is displayed what what does that mean so the the whole network is based on uh, uh, it's a peer-to-peer network so yeah. basically it's everybody that runs a node or a, a, a blockchain client basically that tries to talk to all others so basically what the node uh, does uh, when you start it up, it basically tries to um, to talk to the other peers to get basically the the blocks, for instance, or the snapshots when we when we are doing warp sync. So these are the peers. These are uh, all the nodes that are available on the network. Uh, we are, of course, reaching them through the Internet. But yeah, that's that's a peer. And what are the peers? But why is the number that I see smaller? Parity comes pre-configured with, um, it says that you should try to connect to 25 peers. Mm -hmm. So it probably says like five out of 25. Yeah. And that means you're connected to five peers and it's trying to reach 25 before it stops trying to connect to more. Okay. Uh, And you can configure this. So on my node, I run between 200 and 1,000 peers. (laughs) So it connects to at least 200. And up to a thousand before it stops. Oh, like, cool. So this is something you can actually configure. Yeah. I was just looking at sort of the default yeah. standard. The thing is running with a lot of different peers uh, is also very resource in- intensive because it means you're going to try to connect, try to exchange information, mm-hmm. validate this information, etc., to a large number of peers. So if you don't have a server, uh, more than a f- 50 peers could be actually very resource intensive for your yeah. CPU. Especially like actually bandwidth intensive. So on my node, I run a bootstrap node. So like it's a big machine with a good internet connection. And that's why I run these peer intervals. I also actually have like a thousand more snapshot peers reserved, which means that people can connect to my node to download snapshots. Uh, but with all of these settings, I'm actually using up about 500 gigs of bandwidth per day. <laughs> So it's not a normal home connection that you'd want to run this on. Um, what would you do? So if you were, if you wanted to use it just to, um, 
generate a wallet. I mean, I think all of that is quite straightforward. But the part that is, for me, still a question mark is like, if you want to mine, what what part of the client, like where where do you start with that? You just need to run the node in that case because you're, when you're mining, you're running another piece of software that does the actual mining that actually is trying to solve these hashes or whatnot. So you use Parity or Geth to fetch the latest block and then you take the hash from that and include it in the next block that you're trying to construct. And you also take transactions from the transaction queue of your node. So like the node is used to get like the hash of the previous block, the transactions that you're including, then you like get a little package out of this. Then you send this off to the miner. The miner like crunches a number until you get a solved block. And then you report that back to the node and says, here's the next block for this blockchain. And then that gets propagated through the network. And if it's, you know, if there is no other block that's taking this place, then you get included in the chain, you get a reward and so on. What What is, so this mining software, this is like other third-party software yeah, yeah. stuff. But is it like, it's all kind of very easy to... Um, to connect like it's is it quite simple to make sure that it's working with the parity client correctly or is that a big configuration thing no it's it's reasonably simple but actually most people don't run a node themselves when they're mining they're mining with a mining pool oh. and in that case you just use this third-party mining software configure it with the url of the mining pool that you're mining to which address you want as your reward address and then you trust them that they actually send you the reward but have you have you mined direct? No, I have not actually. Okay. Because like unless you have a really huge mining operation, mine directly will like you if you have a really good mining rig, you might expect a reward once a month and it's completely random. But if you're mining to a pool, you get a payout like mm. every day. So it's just the benefit of a pool is like variance reduction in a in a sense. Um I was curious about the use, like, I don't know if we mentioned this yet, but this idea of a light client. So, so far what we've been talking about is like a full node. What's what's a light client? So basically um, um, a light client is um, not dealing directly with blocks, but it's dealing with the headers of these blocks. So it's um, um, information uh, that are contained in the block are basically summarized. Uh, these are called Merkle roots uh, in the headers. So this allows you to, uh, if you are doing some transaction with a specific account, for instance, you can, thanks to some proofs, you can prove that this account had some ETH, but you didn't have to have all the headers, uh, sorry, all the blocks uh, of the blockchain in in your on your computer, let's say. And the thing is, the headers only are very much lighter than the whole blockchain. So it means basically that you can run a light client on a, even on a, on a mobile uh, phone. And this is where we want to head basically with, with parity. And this is sort of what you were going back to what we were talking about with this story of trying to do this on a MacBook Air with not enough space. Like the light client would basically allow, like you said, yeah. anyone to have... Because you don't, yeah, you only download the the block headers, which are very small. You don't deal with the block bodies and all the data and everything that comes along with that. So um, you, doing simple things like sending a transfer, you can use Merkle proofs to like not have to do much interaction with the network. 
but uh, once you get into like heavier things like running a DAP with a light client, it actually kind of requires the DAP author to know what they're doing a little bit to have this be efficient mm. uh, because the light client can't query anything from the blockchain. Okay, Like that's the trade-off you're making is that you're Only throwing away the all the block bodies yeah. and the, everything and you can't like get the logs or like get all the log events from this block to that block. Locally, you have to actually reach out to the network to mm -hmm. ask for that. And that's where, where when we talk about light clients, eventually you'll have to start to talk about like light client infrastructure. And that's what that means of like you need to have full nodes that serve light client requests to be able to interact with dApps. Mm -hmm. And the dApp authors kind of need to be aware of this and be aware of their resource usage with light clients because otherwise their DAP will just be god-awfully slow and use a bunch of resources mm. from the light client fetching over the network, et cetera. And um, right now, there's actually no incentivization for a full node to serve light clients. And that's another like research problem that's being worked on. It's like, how can I run a full node that serves light clients and I get paid for serving their requests? I want to I wanna talk very just quickly about the language that we're using because um, is because I said this before, is, is a light client a node? Yeah. Ish? I mean, or is it? like? No, it's it's a node. Uh, do you call it a light a, node? Is it like the full node and the light node? Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, I think it's called a full node mostly because like either thing is a node in the network. And that's what, like, yeah. what node comes from. And a full node is something that has all the data. So you could very well call it a light node. But usually, like, a light node would not contribute to the network in the same way. Like, it doesn't actually distribute data and, like, interact with the network in the same way that a full node would because you're not dealing with block bodies. So uh, you're kind of running into this, like, you mostly kind of use a light node, quote-unquote, to interact with the blockchain. And that's why you kind of switch the term to like clients because it's more of a client to interact than it is it's a, running a constant node. The light client interacts with a full node, which yeah. interacts with the entire yeah. network. Got it. Um, you mentioned dApps running. Like, can we talk a little bit about like how that how that works? So let's go back to the full node case because I understand that that's like a little bit more common. We're used to this. Um, how does a dApp exist? in the client where like what's what's happening when somebody creates a dap and and uses it with the parity client so uh, when you create a dap it's just deployment of a contract so there's a transaction that deploys that uh, it gets included in the the block body from the transaction and the state's database gets updated with this code and then you move on and when a user comes to use this Things that are just querying data from this contract happen instantly with. So if like you want to ask, you know, what's the ERC20 balance from this contract? That you get the answer right away. But if you say want to initiate a transfer and want to mutate this contract in any way, then you need to send a transaction, include what you want to mutate, and then that gets included in the block body, mutates the state database, and then you're onto like the next block, and you've interacted with this step. So I think I understand that, but what if you're using the light client? So like, let's talk about the context of a DAP on a light client. You sort of had mentioned it before that 
there's a lot of like you have to configure this differently. You have to you have to take into account that like it's only headers. There's various optimizations you can do. Like you could run a light client that has some knowledge of states, or like you kind of need some state database as well. Uh, but it might, for instance, only keep track of your own balance, and then you can sort of prove through a Merkle proof that the balance is correct and the states should be this or that. Um, and the, you can sort of trust what someone tells you. Uh, but if you run just the simplest possible model of a light client, you only have the, the header chain. Then if you want an account balance, you actually have to go to a full node, say, here's the account address that I want to query, give me the account balance, you get that back. And you can then confirm that, you know, through a Merkle proof that the answer was correct. But that means... In this case, like with a full node, I could query that to my own local node and get an answer instantly. In a light client, you have to actually reach out to the network, ask someone for the account balance, you get it back, you verify that the answer is correct, and only then do you have an account balance. So you actually have to do a network request to get any, to like make a query Mm. to the blockchain. If you want to mutate something, it's still the same process. So you, you need to create a transaction, say which function you want to call, what parameters, and then send that to the network. Yeah, so that's essentially the model is that you switch from having queries be instant to having queries reach out over the network. But like uh, queries that mutates is more or less the same thing. There's there's a bunch of stuff in the parity tech stack, all these other um, all these other integrations. Where do those only live on GitHub or do those also live somewhere in the client? Like which which pieces of the tech stack can you already access directly in the client? I I think all of it. The secret store is not compiled in by default yet because it's sort of experimental and we don't want to enable that yet. But uh, we're running key servers on the Coven network now. So you, if you have a secret store enabled parity client, you can use secret store on Coven. Um and um, yeah, everything else just kind of comes built in and uh, they have different use cases that you just configure through your, like if it's something that is only relevant to private chain, then it's obviously not available for mainnets and you configure through the Genesis file, for instance, when you start up your network or something like that. But yeah, I think basically all of it comes built in with the parity clients. Maybe my question is actually about the UI. So is it all available through the UI? No. Aha. <laughs> Good. I'd say most of the things are not available through the UI. So the UI is really like, it was started at a time where there wasn't really a UI. There was Mist and you know, Parity UI, and that was kind of it. And um, we added stuff to it and had like a contract deployment thing and um, it's kind of grown over the time, but now there's actually a decent amount of competitors in this space. And there's companies like Pragma that we've had on this podcast that are, you know, dedicated their whole company to building a great UI. So yeah, there's more competition in the space now. And I think um, including things like Secret Store, et cetera, in a general UI doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like it should be its own kind of little product UI. Um, so if you want to interact with the secret store, you do it through the secret store UI. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the approach we were taking with the parity bridge uh, that like has its own UI as well. I was also wondering about like if you were running a testnet, can you like are, are you using a different part of the is it a different client? 
if you're if you're working with Coven? Uh, no, actually, it's exactly the same client, and uh, it's just connecting to different peers. And yeah, so you just configure it through, you know, you sort of parity dash dash chain Coven <laughs> instead. I see. I don't know if we have a network switching thing in the UI, do we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, cool. Oh. And, uh, wallet uh, settings, parity, and then you can switch uh, with all the test nets that we we actually support and um, and also, yeah, Kovan, Robson, and, and the main net, of course. And so I guess this is maybe something to also share, like share with the audience. And I sort of mentioned this just before, like I said, UI. I don't know if we fully defined what the UI is. Um, do you want to explain, like, basically I want to make a very clear distinction here between the UI and the parity client because they are separate, two different things. Um, maybe you can explain just exactly what the UI is. Sure. So, um, the, the node, what we said, or the client is, um, is actually a piece of software that, that can run on its own and, uh, you don't need to, to interact with it. Um, or if you want to interact with it, you can interact uh, through the command line, basically using uh, what we call uh, RPC, for instance. So these are really like command line to send some transactions and things like this. And what the UI, which um, stands for user interface, allows to do is to basically abstract these uh, command line calls or these command line uh, yeah, comments to basically allow you to do with point and click and uh, to, to send some, some ETH around or, uh, I don't know, interact with the DAP. But you would not need to have the UI to have, uh, let's say, to interact with, the, with the, the blockchain. And this is actually a very good question because right now we are separating very clearly what, um, what parity as a node is and was Parity UI, which is the UI that interacts with the node. And uh, we will very soon uh, um, give this this UI to the to the community to, to maintain it. Something that I'd like to add with the UI as well is that anyone can build their own UI on top of a parity node, uh, like any node. Like the, the UI is agnostic, should be agnostic of which node is running underneath. So... Yeah, anyone can come along and like build a UI that works with your own full node. So it's that's why the separation is useful is that it encourages like more people to build and and do stuff. Can you give some examples of some people who are already doing it? Like is MyCrypto an interface to the parity node? Uh, in a way, yes. Um, I don't know if you, I think you can actually download the MyCrypto source code, run that, against your own local node and then kind of have the same full node set up as like running a full node with the parity UI. So it's you could do that, but with my crypto particularly like it's a bit more work. They don't ship it like that. They don't package it that way. Um, but there are others that are trying to package it that way. And like we'll we'll provide hopefully in the near term future another example of how you can build a UI on top of a uh, of a node and we'll do that for the lights clients. So one of the things that I definitely wanted to cover uh, in this, since we have you here, uh, tell us what it's like working, fielding these questions. What are you What are you hearing from people? What are people messing up? What are people loving? <laughs> you can start with one of them. That's a very good question. So I really, I mean, 
as I as I said from the beginning, we have really different kind of uh, person interacting with the node. So we have um, people that just started in, and uh, as we all were, I think as we started, like you're talking about things, you're using words, you don't really know what they mean. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a node, a peer, but it's the same for you and you actually don't really understand. But so basically, I, I do have like uh, on Gitter, for instance, which is a, a chat where people can can ask anything. I have uh, questions that goes from the very beginner to the very um, hardcore uh, Rust developer that wants to build some uh, Wasm uh, contracts. So um, that's actually interesting because it's the first um, it's the first entry point for for some people and depending on on uh, the kind of person uh, that is asking questions I can answer I can ask them if they for instance some people just arrive and know exactly everything and and they just explain me uh, how they found a bug and then I'll just uh, redirect them to our uh, github repo and I will have some very beginners that I will redirect to some tutorials and I will have in the in between some people that have questions that I cannot answer directly, but I might have a bit more knowledge to do the right search, to Google for them, but learn at the same time, so to say. And at the same time, instance that uh, maybe our documentation is not um, um, adequate to answer this question and maybe uh, would I would then uh, add this to our documentation. Um, so this is Gita is a chat. So basically, when when people ask questions, when they're really details um, uh, detailed, sorry, um, I think it's better to have this uh, written at at um, on on our GitHub repo because basically it's easier to follow and and to ping some devs. And then we have we have Riot also. So it's it's actually really interesting to see how people also. Um, um, interact because it's everything is open source. Um, I mean, I'm dealing, I'm doing the support here, but it happens very, very often that other people answer other people's and sometimes in different ways. So it's mm. also really interesting to to learn how how other understand things, and and that's really heartwarming when you when you go back or wake up in the morning and you see you have like 60 new messages and you saw actually a, a great conversation between two people on the other side of the world I guess because wow. either they were working or they were maybe awake during the night but yeah that's that's the beauty of it it's everything is open and everybody helps everybody that's cool that's such a nice that's such a actually that's first of all that's an amazing look into what kind of customer support or helping out uh, not customers, as you mentioned, community support and actually working with the community. It's it sounds sounds a little bit different than the usual customer support. It sounds like it is very much. Um, it it has the very big advantage that people don't come and ask question and expect an answer within uh, five seconds. And um, I guess when we have uh, a decent support and a decent documentation, it's it's still very very pleasant to see that people, uh, yeah, get get quick quickly an answer. But it's also because everything, as I said, is is open and everybody can participate. Uh, actually, we don't we don't really, how should I say, we we do have very good answer times, etc. Because everybody can answer and and they do actually people do answer their peers. So it's much more. Uh, lively can i say this than uh, a forum for instance where you ask a question like stack exchange etc where you ask a question and most of the time you're going to wait quite long to have an answer and here basically either you have an answer or maybe a link to go to mm. dig deeper and, and understand or 
or maybe a question from me asking to to put this in GitHub because <laughs> I have to think a, a dev to answer that. Do you? I mean, it sounds like you're learning a ton from looking at this. Do you think that that could actually be a way for other people to learn is to just pay attention to these? Definitely, yeah. And engage with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have also an open... Um, uh, documentation. So basically anybody can add things to our documentation and, and people do add things or find some errors because we sometimes fail to update some, some, uh, data, for instance. Mm. And this is also very, uh, like the community aspect is, is really, really great. Cool. Well, I think on that note, I think this was really interesting. I, it, it was very cool to get a chance to look at this client in more detail. I, I definitely have a better idea of what you're doing and what people running nodes are doing yeah no i think the community aspect like you said is super important to us and like ultimately that's why we do this it's to build something cool and to involve people and yeah it's open source code and like we want to build a community around this we might not be the best at it all the time and like documentation is shit sometimes and like we have a lot to improve but it's it's getting better and we're trying to get better every day and like people coming in and an asking questions and like actually engaging with us that's the best way for us to get better as well very cool so just to wrap up this episode i want to say sort of uh, a little kind of thank you to 1kx and full node for hosting us for this episode um, i just find it so funny that we're in the full node and we're talking about full nodes and <laughs> it's very meta Full note, just FYI, is a co-working space in Berlin, in case anyone's curious. And thank you very much to Thibaut for joining us. Thanks. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.